Well, that's a complicated answer, unfortunately. So I just drove a Ford Expedition for a year. I had a Kia Carnival for a couple of months. And right now I'm driving a Chevy Tahoe. If I had to buy a car today, right now, no one hold my feet to the fire. But I really do. I like a full-size SUV. Welcome to another Enter the Chat episode of the Mom Force podcast, where a special guest answers your questions. And today we're talking all about cars buying them, insuring them, teaching your kids how to drive one with the one and only Kelly Stumpy, the car mom. But first, I want to let you in on a little chapbook's insider information that will make holiday gifting a little easier. Our annual flash sale is coming up very, very soon, like days away, and it's our best deal of the year. So here's my tip. Make the books you want to gift now so that you are all set and ready to buy when the sale hits. I'm working on all of my kids' yearbooks, and I've put together a book for my husband, Nate, of all of our fishing adventures together that he's just going to love. Oh, and here's another tip. Maybe you've already ordered a book for yourself that could make a great gift for someone else, like the family cookbook that I printed a while back. I just might give a copy to my married kids and my mom and my sisters. So easy. Be sure to follow Chatbooks on Instagram for more details on the sale and happy chatbooking. Okay, on to the episode. Welcome to the Mom Force, Kelly. Thank you. I am so excited to be here. Well, our Mom Force community has so many questions that you are perfectly suited to answer as a mom, as a child passenger safety technician, and a car buying expert. Now, I know you grew up in the car business, but what made you want to make a career out of sharing your expertise? And and what are your main goals in sharing as the car mom? Sure. So I started selling cars in 2016, and I really just fell in love with the process of selling vehicles and people buying vehicles. I loved being there for like that milestone moment in these people's lives. And when I became a mom and all my friends started becoming moms, I had a lot of people come to me saying like, Hey, I need a new mom car. What do you think of this? What do you think of that? And I was like, dang, like, what is, what is a good mom car? Like everyone keeps asking me. So I kind of took a look at my resources, which was car dealership lots and my experience as at at the time, a mom of one. And I thought, let me just start reviewing these cars very casually for moms. Like I just wanted to feel like their girlfriend taking them to the dealership and keeping it fun, keeping it casual, but talking about the things that are important to us. And when I started doing it, it really just kind of took off. And I thought it was just going to be more of like a St. Louis based thing. And I thought I would just get like a couple car deals here and there. If I was, you know, the one talking (laughs) about mom cars And quickly it took off to all parts of the country. And now I am a mom of three. I went out and got my child passenger safety certification so I could feel more experienced and able to really, really dive in and truly learn about how these vehicles function for families. And I'm just very passionate about being a resource for any of those entering the car buying process and just, just how we can make it easier and basically like save you some afternoons at a dealership. Like I'd rather you just watch my tours, get a short list and then make make your decision from there. Yeah. I, I will say, whenever we've been in the market for a car, my husband always goes to YouTube to find the reviews. And they're always dudes. Yeah. Guys, talking about stuff that I don't care about. Like, I need a mom's perspective. So I you know. are doing such a service. And they're so long. Like, let me, like uh, I do this for a living, and I can't even get through a 35-minute video. I'm like, get to, yeah. the, what, what, get to what I need to know. Yeah. So good. Well, 
the number one question that comes in our Mom Force Facebook group when it comes to cars is, what car should I buy for my family? And that's tricky, though, because every family's so needs are different, right? And I'm guessing maybe one of the most common questions that you get is, what car do you drive? So let's just get that out in the open. Tell us, what car do you drive with the configuration of your family, and why did you choose that one? Well, that's a complicated answer, unfortunately. <laughs> I, um, I don't own a vehicle. I drive dealership vehicles, so I get. Oh. I, it's, called, it's called like a demo vehicle. Okay, it, it's it's a perk of your family owning car perk, dealerships. Yes. To be yes. honest, it's a perk. It's a privilege. I'm very blessed to do it. But I get a new car every four to five thousand miles. In the past, I've had like more long term demo vehicles. So I just drove a Ford Expedition for a year. I had a Kia Carnival for a couple of months, and right now I'm driving the Chevy Tahoe. And I also have press vehicles and different vehicles to review in my driveway every single week. This week, I'm driving the Subaru Crosstrek with my three kids. So wow. the benefit is I've been in all of them, but I, yeah. I, I personally have not had to commit to just one vehicle. You know, if, if I had to buy a car today, right now, I don't want to hold mm-hmm. my feet to the fire, but I really do. I like a full-size SUV, and I really did love the Ford Expedition with a bench seat. So that's probably, yeah. if, I had to, if I had to pick, that's probably what I would drive, but I'm having a lot of fun trying out different things. And there's yeah. always new makes and models coming out. So I don't want to like, you know, commit too soon. Yeah. Well, actually, I love the fact that you have these long-term rentals or what do you call them? Yeah. A loan? It's demos. Yeah. Yeah. A demo. Because then I feel like your review, it's, you've been through it all. You've been through the yeah. carpools. You've been through like all the phases of mom life in this car. So not just like, I've took it out one afternoon and this yeah. is what I thought. Yeah. And, I, and I, I really try to be, I try to be very thorough and talk about all aspects and all ownership of the car. And, and I'm mm-hmm. always like very transparent when, you know, things go wrong with the vehicle or if there's recalls on the car. And I really do enjoy taking my followers through the entire journey because no car is perfect. So yeah, I'm very, I'm very grateful for how well I know these, some of these vehicles and it's taken several years to learn them as well as I have. Yeah. Well, I love that you chose the Expedition as a car that you would buy because that is the last family car that I had. I have seven kids and my oldest is 28 now. My youngest is 15. I've been through the range. Like when, when I had two kids, I was pregnant with my third. We were actually living in France. And so we didn't have a car at the time. And I would just dream of moving back to the States and getting a minivan. I just wanted a minivan and I wanted to go to Mm -hmm. Costco and I wanted to park it in my driveway. (laughs) I love it. And then eventually our family kept growing to where we, there were not enough seats in our minivan. And so I got a Suburban and then I needed one more seat with seven kids. I needed a nine passenger and I had to get a bench in the front row. Mm -hmm. And so we upgraded to the Expedition, which we drove until just a year ago when my son actually, it was sad. He got in a car accident. He's totally fine, but the car was deemed... A total, a total loss. loss. Yeah. So it was gone. But that's a long way of setting up this question because this is like the everlasting debate, right? SUV or minivan? Lissa from the Mom Force community, she posted that very question. SUV or minivan with lots of small kids? Okay, I have my opinions. What What would you say? Yeah, it's a really good question. I've actually done a lot of content around this topic. I have a whole like YouTube video dedicated to kind of like comparing the differences. Taking the aesthetics aside, because you know some people just don't want to drive a minivan. If you don't mind how they look, I think the benefits of a minivan are one cost. So if you're really looking for a true ton of legroom, ton of trunk space, a minivan versus a full-size SUV, the minivan's always going to be the more affordable option. Mm -hmm. The con of the minivan is a lot of the times they are not all-wheel drive. Some of them are all-wheel drive, but even even in an all-wheel drive minivan, your ground clearance is still like eight inches. Like it's still not going to plow through the snow like a Chevy Tahoe would. So I think that's something to definitely consider. 
Sliding doors, people love them. People love the party tricks of a minivan, things like removing a middle seat, a magic slide, tailgate Mm -hmm. mode, like stow and go. Like I get it. Minivans have all the party tricks. I like a full-size SUV. So that's, that's my camp, but I say never say never. I've driven the minivan for quite a few months. I really did enjoy it. I do think also with minivans, when you have three very, I have three very young kids. My kids are four and under and I have three of them. Mm -hmm. The minivan to me, I, we didn't utilize the sliding doors that much because my kids still all have to be put in the car by themselves. Like they, you Mm -hmm. know, it's not like I have like a seven-year-old who's like opening the door in the target parking lot, like dinging the car next to him. Like we're not there. So to me, I felt like a full-size SUV functioned just as well as a minivan, but older kids, or if you're looking for a lot of space on a budget, minivans are definitely it. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's talk about three small kids who all are in a car seat. I mean, I remember having three kids in a car seat. In fact, you know what's so crazy? My first minivan had built-in car seats, like the seat folded down and there was a five point. I need you to find a picture. I need you to find me a picture of that. (laughs) It was a major selling point. It actually helped me overlook the fact that the the van was purple. I convinced my husband it was blue because I wanted those built in car seats so bad. That's so cool. (laughs) But in, um, when you're trying to fit three car seats in a car, like I remember having the two in the row of the minivan and then I had to have one in the back row and it was so hard to get back there and reach it but sometimes it's really hard to fit three in a bench of an SUV do you have any advice for like maybe specific car seats that are skinny enough to to fit in a in a row like what what are some things to think about luckily um slim car seats are more and more common and they used to be reserved for like the like the high-end luxury $500 car seats, and that mm-hmm. wasn't always attainable for families. Graco recently came out with a great slim fit car seat. It's called the Slim Fit 3LX. It's one of my favorite car seats. Nice. I've been using that. I use Klett car seats, C-L-E-K, Klett car seats okay. in my personal vehicle. They are also very compact, good, slim, sturdy car seats. But for most of my tour vehicles, I like using those Graco seats. Fitting three across, it really does depend on the age of your kids, the car seats, and the car. Not all bench seats are created equal. I'll give the example, like if you look at a Hyundai Palisade bench and a Volkswagen Atlas bench, you're not going to fit three on a Hyundai Palisade bench. You Mm -hmm. will fit three on a Volkswagen Atlas bench. And I hate to say, like, you just have to watch my tours and read my content to find out that information. But, like, I've done the work on the bench seats that are worth worth it. And most of the time for three kids, I – do prefer the bench seat because just like you said, that third row access reaching those children can be so difficult and it really cuts into your trunk space. So the car that I'm currently driving is a Chevy Tahoe with a bench. I have all three of my kids across it. That third row is folded down. I've got great trunk space. I can reach all my kids. Like my four-year-old can't buckle himself all the way and he certainly can't unbuckle himself. So like I need to be able to reach him. So I, I am very much into the bench seat. Yeah, so good. And thank you for all of your videos that we can go back to and refer to to see exactly how three car seats fit in all of the cars that you test. So good. Okay, as a certified car seat safety technician, I didn't even know that was a thing, but I'm so glad it is. Can you tell us what is one of the biggest no-nos that you see when it comes to installing car seats or picking car seats? That's a good question. I think that I know it's like the answer that everyone hates, but like I do think really familiarizing yourself with your with your car seat owner's manual is super important. Like it's it's really not that complicated when you get into how they they do a good job of making the manuals easy to digest. It'll take you five minutes to read it, maybe 10 minutes to read it. Mm-hmm. I would highly suggest doing it. But big mistakes I see people make is not realizing that lower anchors or like the latch system has a weight limit. So most of the mm-hmm. time for me, I know everyone like loves lower anchors. I like them in some situations. I 
most of the time opt for a seatbelt installation because one, seatbelt installations don't have weight limits. So you never have to worry about like, oh, is my kid over 35 pounds? Now do I need to switch to the seatbelt? If you're a seatbelt, you're just set. And when you're trying to fit multiple car seats in a vehicle, seatbelts are always my preferred installation because you can kind of have a little wiggle room, not in the sense that the car moves, but if you're installing with a seatbelt, you can move the car seat a few inches over and install it more tightly. Whereas the lower anchor attachments are set 11 inches apart. Like you're not getting away from where that car seat is set. So I just think not realizing when to utilize lower anchors and when to utilize a seatbelt is one of the biggest mistakes I see people make. Okay. Good to know. And you already mentioned the Graco Slim Fit as a good option. Slim Fit. I want to specify it's the Slim Fit 3LX. The regular Graco Slim Fit, I'm not that much of a fan of for, for its slimness. Okay. 3LS for a slim X. car seat. 3LX. I'm sure you can find this on your Yeah, they, no, too. they make it confusing. They make yeah. it confusing. <laughs> um, let's move on to car shopping because yeah. this is originally why you got into being the car mom, right? And yeah, I, I remember having to buy a new car and stressing out. This is you know, I'm old enough that this is like pre-internet, basically. There weren't people like you <laughs> helping it make it easier. But can you just tell us quickly, like, what is the best bang for your buck when it comes to getting a family car? And and when inventory has been so crazy, like it has been the last year, do you have any other advice um, on that? Well, I think, I mean, vehicles are very expensive right now. Like most things in our economy, prices are incredibly inflated. There was just a statistic that came out the other day that the average new car uh, monthly payment is almost $800 which for a lot of families is just, it's completely unaffordable. So I do think shopping the pre-owned market is something I really recommend. And I'm truly one of the only car reviewers or car buying experts who talks about the pre-owned market so frequently. I love reviewing used vehicles. I love talking about them. And I think one of the biggest things that I always try to drive home with my audience is the fact that a vehicle of 100,000 miles is not too many miles. And I don't know why we all have in our heads that we can't drive a car with 100,000 miles on it. It feels like a big number. It feels like this car, everything's getting ready to break. But I want to give the perspective of, I always tell people, you know, especially when they're on a budget, um, how long do you want to keep this car for? And most people say, you know, five to seven years would be great. I'm like, okay, great. How many miles do you drive a year? The average is 10,000 miles. So I'm, so I tell them, so we're talking about you putting 50,000 miles on a car in five years. So at the end of your ownership, the car has 150,000 miles on it. The manufacturer has suggested maintenance at 100,000 miles, at 150,000 miles, and at 200,000 miles. They would not put suggested maintenance in those owner's manuals if they did not expect the car to reach those mileage milestones. The average car on the road has 143,000 miles on it. The average car on the road is 12 years old. Well, that's average. So vehicles of higher mileage are not something to be scared of. They are so much more affordable, so much more affordable. Great bang, great bang for your buck. They depreciate so much slower, meaning that you can actually yeah. get out of them more frequently. If you buy a brand new car, in five years, it lost over 50% of its value. That's a difficult car to, then try to, 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 to try to trade out of scot-free, meaning like you, meaning like you owe less than what it's worth. Mm-hmm. So I think that really like changing the stigma around those higher mileage cars is very important to me. I'm just not, I'm just not scared of them. I mean, they're, yeah. they're, they're, they're tr- cars are built different. They're designed to go that long. And of course there's going to be like some exceptions to the rule, but I pulled my audience so many times and so many of them are driving cars with 200,000 miles on them and they're fine. Yeah. They're fine. 
Yeah. What about like the new and improved safety features? I know that for my husband, when we were buying cars for our teenagers, like he wanted a a car that had all of the lane assist, like everything that would help keep this very at-risk driver safe. Yeah. How how do you advise us on deciding which of those is worth spending more money for? Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm a very big fan of all crash prevention technology, especially for teen drivers. The good news about crash prevention tech is especially in recent years, it has become standard on vehicles. You know, like back in 2015, 2016, manufacturers put a paywall behind the packages that had the crash prevention tech, which is disgusting. Like, why are you going to put a price on on life-saving technology? Now, almost every manufacturer includes so many features like blind spot, like frontal collision, like all of those features included standard. So the more that that happens, the more we'll start to see them integrate into the used car market, which is going to be good for everybody. So you don't, and a lot of them have been standard since 2017-ish. So like yeah. you don't need okay. a brand new car to have a lot of this tech. And I, yeah, I would prioritize getting the most crash prevention technology you can get. I think it's, it only kicks in when it's needed. I don't like to live by the notion and I get a lot of feedback saying, well, I don't want my team to learn to rely on it. And I think that's right. stupid, but they're not, they're not relying on it. It's only going to kick in to, to avoid a collision. They're not relying yeah. on it. Yeah. Okay. That's a good point. Okay. So more that technology is available in used cars. What about branded titles? Allie from our Mom Forest Facebook group, she wanted to specifically know, is it worth the good deal that no. you can get? Okay. Not in my opinion. Those vehicles are difficult to resell. They're difficult to insure. They're difficult to finance. I don't like anything about it. Okay. We own two. (laughs) Okay. Well, then there you go. Not impossible. (laughs) But it is, I know, because we got lured into, we were buying them for our kids and it was a much, you know, less expensive car to get into. And the idea was we're just going to keep this in the fleet forever. And so we weren't thinking about resale. So then, yeah. I mean, if if you feel like it would work and you're going to drive it till the wheels fall off and you don't mind it. And you know you can pay cash. Okay. I, I mean, I found, I mean, I don't know your situation, but I found there there's a lot of banks, especially now, that just will not finance them. Really? Okay. Okay. All right. Good to know because it can be very tempting. All right. So we talked a little bit about teens. Now I know you don't have teenagers yourself, but do you have advice for those of us who are now in that world? Like, there's just there's so many parts of it that are terrifying, teaching them how to drive, letting them just drive away from your house alone by themselves. Any advice for us with those of us with teen drivers? Yeah, I've done a lot of research and talking to moms of teens. I think some of my biggest pieces of advice are, again, prioritizing a car with good crash prevention tech. I think it's very easy and teen cars are difficult to talk about because so many of us are dealing with so many different budgets when it comes to a teen car. And the last thing I ever want is a parent to feel less than because they can't afford the latest and greatest in tech. But I do think there are certain things you can prioritize to make sure it's a safe vehicle. Like I said, I think that crash prevention tech is really, really important. I also think size of vehicle plays a really big role. I mean, in collisions, mass wins, like that's just not really a secret, but we don't want a vehicle that's too big or that they're a danger to other people or themselves. So I think the sweet spot is a car just over 3,000 pounds. Like I don't like those very small compact sedans under 3,000 pounds, but I think something more in like the large sedan or small SUV category is really kind of a sweet spot for a teen vehicle. And then I think a lot of it is just, the training on how we teach a teen to drive. Like I have talked a lot about this and making sure that we obviously drive with them as often as possible. We also prepare them for different conditions. So that's driving at night, that's driving in the rain, that's driving Mm -hmm. in the snow, get them out there and practice those conditions. And then also I think it's good to talk about basic car ownership, car maintenance, and what you can expect on the road, practicing things like, it sounds like filling up the gas tank, 
air in your tires. What happens if you get pulled over? What are the steps yeah. if you get pulled over? What do you need to do? What happens if you get in an accident and you can't answer my phone call? So like what, and I even say like, you know, print off like a little cheat sheet for your teens, laminate it, keep it in their glove box and just kind of prepare them for all of those scenarios. Not just what it's like to drive down the highway at 60 miles an hour. Cause that's the easy part. It's everything yeah. else that can cause trouble. Yeah, that's so smart. Because I remember the first time I had a child run out of gas on the freeway and like I hadn't prepared her for that scenario. Like what side do you pull off? Like, what do you do? (laughs) And when the cars are whizzing by, like when she called me to say, I don't know what to do. I I panicked. Uh, First of all, don't run out of gas, please. Yeah, (laughs) don't do that. Why do they always run out of gas? Every time I get in one of my cars, it's out of gas and it's their fault. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, and I think um, one thing that my parents did when I was learning how to drive, which I thought was really helpful is again, kind of talking about some of those more just like what to expect. So like what one thing my dad did is we went on like a safe semi-abandoned road and we went from zero to 40 and then 40 to zero as quick as I could. Mm. So it's like, here's what it actually feels like to slam on the brakes. Here's how you downshift in the vehicle if your brakes give out. And I just think, I mean, I also did like driver's ed basically. And uh-huh. still to this day, like it's things that have stuck with me. So yeah. I think those investments are very, very important. One of the things that I worry the most about when my kids head out is getting distracted, right? Because Mm -hmm. honestly, it's something that I struggle with too. I want them to have their phone with them in the car in case of an emergency, but we all know how it can end up being a liability. Do you have strategies for keeping us all safe when we're on the road? Yeah, I mean, number one, and like this is, I mean, my kids are four and under and I'm aware of this, is you have to lead by example. Like there's just... There's no being on your phone yourself, like even like texting at a stoplight, like we just truly like have to quit all of that out. I also, I can't speak to Android, but iPhone has a really cool focus mode that you can set on that's called driving mode. And it will, when you get in the car, it will turn off your phone. And if anyone texts you or calls you, it will send them a text saying, I'm driving with focus turned on. I'll call you when I get to my destination. So I would definitely highly suggest that. And then I do also think like, I, I mean, if we want to talk about like technology that helps, I do really like the new tech of Apple CarPlay and Android Auto being available in these vehicles. And if you don't know what that is, it basically turns your vehicle's infotainment system into your iPhone. So what I like about that is whenever I'm looking at how a vehicle functions, I do pay attention to how clunky the infotainment system is. Because if it's distracting to change the radio station or, you know, answer a phone call or turn on a podcast, like that can all lead to distracted driving. So I like these manufacturers prioritizing just making the home screen look like your iPhone because it's easier to use. And so, you know, not that, I mean, best case scenario, they don't use it at all, but that's not realistic. So like if they're going to be using it, let's make it something familiar. Let's make like, let's make the navigation system look like their Apple maps. It's something that they're used to and it's easy for them to navigate. Yeah, I like that. And I also like how you pointed out that we are setting the example by the behaviors that we have. And I mean, I have talked to my kids so many times about not being on your phone, but then I will be at a stoplight and I'm going to be here for a second. And I just got an email and I pick up my phone and look at it and, you know, the lines start to get blurry. Do you have any hard lines that you don't cross personally as you try to set an example for your kids on how you use tech in the car? I mean, I always like I if I'm going to turn on a podcast or do a phone call or set navigation, I always do it before we get on the road. So like Mm -hmm. I'm not going to turn my podcast on on my stoplight. Like I will sit myself in park. I will plug my phone and make sure I'm connected to Bluetooth properly. And then I will do it. And I keep my vehicle. I mean, I keep my phone face down on my wireless charger. Okay. That doesn't even that, charge. See, there the, you go. That doesn't even is charge, so good. but it's just like, it's, it's just what I do. And I really don't, 
And I'm also, I'm not, like, I'll just pull over. Like, I'm not scared to pull yeah. over. Like, if I need to yeah. use my phone, which of course I do. Or like, if I see, and what's good about Apple CarPlay is like, you can see a text message come through in, in a non-distracting way and like your car can read it to you. So if yeah. it's something that like, I need to respond and I feel like I can't do that with the voice commands, like, I'll just pull over. It's not that big of a yeah. deal. I'm not going to get there that much slower. Turn your phone face down. Or sometimes yeah. I've even thrown it in the backseat if I'm just yeah. like, I got to get it away from me. I also love your suggestion of having a little laminated sheet of tips for your teens as yeah. they drive away. Any other must-haves that moms should have in their car to That's keep in the car? Question. I've seen a couple of videos you've done. Mm -hmm. I'd love to hear you share some. Um, I am definitely uh, a minimalist when it comes to what I keep in my car. Like I'm not, there's a lot of other people who are like, organization hacks and it's like all these like back of the seat organizers trunk organizers and the, all that is to me is clutter like I just yeah. I don't like that kind of stuff it's also not safe like we don't want to be putting a back of the seat organizer and then filling it with a bunch of projectiles and then putting it in front of our child's face like so it's <laughs> just like less is less is more when it comes to a car and like my car is my sanctuary I don't want to get in and see a bunch of clutter but I do like um keeping some like must-haves in my center console or in my other, other storage areas of my car so I always keep a change of clothes for all my kids um, I keep a couple of snacks and I keep a couple of like toiletry essentials, but like, I'm really just, I'm, I hate to sound lame, but like, I'm just a minimalist. I don't want a lot of stuff in my car. I, one tip that I do have for like finding more space in your car. And this is something that I can't believe isn't talked about more is your glove box is like your most underutilized part of your vehicle. Like the way that we just think we have to keep owner's manuals and service records in there for what? <laughs> yes. Get that crap to I the trunk. Know. That is prime so real like smart. That is prime real estate. I'm not saying take your owner's manual out of your car. I'm saying put it in the leather back pocket in the second row. What do you need it yeah. there for? Yeah. So oh I take that out and I keep all my clean supplies for my car in my glove box. I am a very I always like to say that clean cars drive better. And I don't I oh, think yeah. I don't think moms <laughs> should have I'm sorry, moms. I'm not gonna give you the excuse to have a messy car. Like if your kitchen's clean every night. So can your car. Trust me, 15 minutes on your car has like a seven time ROI than your kitchen does. Your kitchen's going to uh -huh. get dirty in five minutes. Your car, if you clean it, you might get like three days. So way better yeah. investment in your time. My car is spotless. Yeah. And it okay, makes well, it when enjoyable. Maybe when your kids get a little older and they aren't confined to their car seats, you'll find that the back rows of your car seat get Well, disgusting. I tell you, a car wash <laughs> subscription is my saving. I probably go three times yeah. a week to a car yeah. wash. Free yeah. vacuums. So Aww. nice. Get a coffee. Get it. And the best part is like, I'm always looking for things I can do to get out of the house without getting out of the car. Cause like, I don't want to take three kids anywhere, but I will load them in the car. We'll go get a coffee. We'll take our library books back to the drop off and we'll go through a car wash. And it's yeah. such a productive day. It's so fun. My, my car is clean. It's a great way to get out of the house without getting them out of the car. It's an event. It's an outing. Yeah, it's an I event. Exactly. One other thing that I thought of when we we're talking about things to keep in your car, I don't like to have a bunch of junk in my car either, but I do keep a $20 bill in my glove compartment oh, because that's, yeah. I can't that's tell you how many good. times I like need emergency cash for sh cash for some totally. reason. The trick is to replace it when you do spend it. So many good things. Oh my goodness. Okay. I want to shift real fast because this is a chat books podcast and we can't yeah. not talk about family memories and photos. And I love to ask my guests, how many photos are in your camera roll? This is always a surprising thing. Do you know, uh, you know, at the top I, of your head? I feel like I'm kind of a minimalist. And by minimalist, okay. I mean, said that. Yes. I'm under 10,000. I'm at 9,500. Okay. That... Which like, for a full-time influencer and a mom of three, like yeah. I'm, pretty, I'm pretty impressed by that. Okay. Well, so what are your tricks for, for keeping it down? Like, I know you have to take a lot of content. What do you, how do you organize it? I do a lot of travel and I uh -huh. always delete photos when I'm on the airplane. Oh, so just brilliant. the other day I went to Detroit for, it was like a 24 hour trip to Detroit. So it was two, two hour flights. And I went from 13,000 to 9,500. 
brilliant. Yeah. Yes. Use that time to just yeah. so that's, get rid that's, of the junk. That's when I do it. That's so good. All right. Well, let's talk now about how you enjoy your photos because getting them organized and deleting and just finding like a habit to clean out your camera roll is one yeah. thing. But if your phone, your photos always just stay on your phone, what good does that do your family? With three young kids, how do you enjoy your photos? Okay. Well, one, I'm a chapbook stan. I was telling, yes. I was just telling you this. <laughs> I have been using the chapbook monthly books for years. They are my kids' favorite bedtime stories. We call them our yep. family books. And Aww. the way that like they could not be bothered with Goodnight Moon. And it's all just like March, 2021. I'm like, sure. Oh, the family we, books. Yeah. We look through it. them and we like just talk about them. And I've also, I've always found that I've really enjoyed doing them for my kids when they're younger to go. And I, I'll, I'll even like put in there pictures of my family, even if we're not in it. So we can be like, oh, that's Aunt Liz. That's, yes, that's Gigi. That's like, you know, I'll just anyone in their life. Like I love to include them in the book so they can see those people. So I'm a huge fan of that. We also do a fun, like little birthday tradition where when it's like the week of their birthday, I have a ton of eight by 10 photos printed off and I just plaster them all over the like kitchen cabinets everywhere. And it's just like, they're the birthday person. So it's pictures from their whole life. And then they're not up like all the time, but I at least have those photos. And I also Mm -hmm. frame my Christmas cards every year and they're my favorite holiday decor to pull out. So we have like the actual card, the actual card. Yeah. That's such a good idea. So we have like the, I have, no, we've been married six years. So we have six of them. So it's not a ton, but my mom Mm -hmm. did this growing up and my parents have been married 30 years. So like it is so fun around Christmas time. She puts out, she frames them all in pretty frames and they're just all over her mantle and tables around her living room. And they're so fun Uh to go look at. A couple years ago, I went and dug up all of our Christmas cards. So we have 29 now. And yeah. they're just in a pile that I like to pull out. But I'm going to do that. I'm going to frame those and frame put them, them on the mantle. Them on, I love on your that. mantle or like in the bath. I mean, they're truly, they're all over my parents' house during the holiday season. That's so fun. And it is so, it's really fun. I love that. So, so good. Oh my gosh, this has been so helpful. And I know we've just like scratched the surface, the tip of the yeah. iceberg. Where can people go to see more of your content and your videos, all that stuff? Where's the best place to find you? Sure. So I'm on Instagram at The Car Mom. Our mm-hmm. YouTube channel is also The Car Mom. And then our website is also The Car Mom. Our website is kind of where everything lives. So if you're looking for like vehicle tours, blog posts, we actually have a free quiz that where you give me some information about your family. And we have like a quiz that tells you cars we'd recommend, which is a really good place oh, to awesome. start yeah. for people who um, don't know where to start. And then I do also, I do personalized consultations too, because I know this process can be so overwhelming. So if you really need like help or you have a complicated car seat setup, I would recommend a personalized consult. And yeah, that's where you can find me. And I have a podcast. I actually have a podcast. I should talk about that. I have a podcast oh, called, yes. called The Carpool. And it's um, with me and my sister. And it's a very fun, it's automotive adjacent. We talk a lot about motherhood and other things. But every every episode, we do an industry news segment where we talk about what's happening in the auto industry. But uh-huh. the spin we put on it is we talk about it like we're two girls gossiping about pop culture. So it's like, <laughs> it's Perfect. it's fun. It gives you good talk. I promise you it gives you good talking points yeah. to like take to your next school trivia night. Like you'll be very versed in everything that's happening in the auto industry. That That is important. Do you record in your car? That would be genius. Oh, uh, no, that would be genius though. <laughs> no. We did we one start. episode. We did one episode of the Mom Force podcast in our car during COVID when everything was shut down. Yeah. We did a little, a little kind of spotlighting some of our local, you know, restaurants that were trying to stay open. And we drove up and did an interview outside the car door. 
It was really fun. I know. So that oh, might I be something that. to look into. Yeah, maybe I should do that. Um, so good. And I love that you work with your sister. The first yeah. episodes of the Mom Force podcast was me and my sisters. And oh, there's that. nothing better than just shooting the breeze. And Nope. Nope. <laughs> so fun. Okay. One last question before we close up. I know you mentioned that if you were going to buy a mom car, it would be an expedition. But without worrying about kids or money, what is your dream car? Oh, that's a good question. Hmm. So you probably don't I, spend as much time looking into the No. <laughs> the, uh, the, I mean, I, I sold BMWs for a couple of years, so I do like the BMW lineup, okay. and I really like an M4. M4, Ooh. like, convertible, I think would be kind of fun. But uh-huh. I'm also such an SUV girl that I'm going to be basic and say, oh, I drove a Land Rover Defender for a couple of uh-huh. weeks as a press car, and I loved it. So I'd be like okay. a really souped-up Land Rover Defender. Okay. Nice. I see that. I see that for me. Maybe down the okay. road. <laughs> One day. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much, Kelly. You're awesome. Thanks for being part of the Mom Force. Thank you. Okay. If you're considering a new car purchase, go follow Kelly, the car mom, and let her help you through that harrowing decision. And if you're still deciding on what to gift your friends and family, remember a chapbook is always the best gift. Thanks for being part of the Mom Force. Don't forget to follow me over at Vanessa Quigley on Instagram and follow Chapbooks too for more gifting goodness. Until next time. 